I don't wanna set the world on fire. I just wanna start a flame in your heart. All right, welcome everyone to the Tory Says Show. Today is Friday, the twenty fifth of September. Pretty interesting day today. Uh, it was actually interesting yesterday. I'm pretty glad that people are um, actually running with the things that I'm sending them. I'm seeing that people are reporting the things that I'm sending them, not because I can't write it on Tori Says page, but I actually don't have the bandwidth lately um, between uh, doing so much, uh, you know, I have to work. I also have to produce content. I'm also working on uh, things for Shadowgate 2 and 3. Um, actually, there's going to be a Shadowgate 2 trailer that's going to be super awesome coming out. Um, it is super fiery. Um, you know, and trying to make everything work, I couldn't. But, you know, my tweets say enough for those following me on Twitter um, and obviously uh, listening to me, uh, you know, as a podcast or watching me, uh, you get to see a lot of what's up. So what's up? So yesterday we saw that texts came out, uh, you know, that they were released and I rt that and said, hey, didn't I tell you about Africa? I mean, I specifically said Africa's coming into the picture. Boom, South Africa. I also said, wait, let's put it this way. These texts were so telling. I mean, I don't know how they're going to get out of this one. Example. I buy car insurance, the best one. Top of the line, comprehensive, the whole nine yards, super anti-theft, super everything. And then I'm like, in a text to you, hey, so I just got like the best insurance because, you know, I'm going to go and crash my car and then abandon it and then file an insurance claim. So let's pretend the insurance company actually sees that text. So for those of you that are in a chat, I'm going to give it a second and think about it. So if you're the insurance company and you see, uh, you know, these texts that I sent saying I just got all this insurance and I did it. So that way I can, you know, crash my car and, you know, get paid for it. Will the insurance pay me? Yes or no? What do you think? What is your thoughts on that? Do you think that the insurance company is going to pay? Fraud, right? No, right? Exactly. Well, in those text messages, they clearly said that. They were like, yeah, so we got insurance just in case we get busted. So we get paid and stuff. It's like, what? Are you for real? Did that really happen in a text? Yeah. So insurance won't do that. They won't pay you. It's considered fraud. So that's a pretty interesting thing, right? Interesting thing. They were laughing at how Sessions wanted to go to South Africa and put it in there. Hence why they had that conversation of, hey, you know, Maybe we shouldn't, uh, yeah, maybe we should get, you know, pro professional liability insurance because, you know, we don't want to get unpaid. They'll pay us if we get fired or investigated. <laughs> it's like, 
Not if the techs are there, because then you got professional liability insurance to make sure that you get paid out or get money when you get investigated and fired. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? You're not going to get pennies. So that's a big deal. So now South Africa is a very big deal. Uh, uh, We're going to be doing South Africa next week. Uh, Well, we did talk about it a little bit. I told you that all the headquarters told you what happened under Brennan, what was going on under Obama. And again, I was telling you that bits and bits and bits because, see, it's one thing if I say something and then, you know, someone's like, hey, that's like, you shouldn't have said that. And it's like, oh, you, maybe you just took it out of context. I didn't really say that. I, I just said that sentence. But if you string along all the little bits of information that I've been giving you, see, that's how people give information without getting in trouble. <laughs> You'd understand. So um, I just wanted to tell you, Periscope has been throttling um, my feeds all the time. I saw that with Millie Weaver yesterday that did it. I see a lot of you are like, oh, it's cutting the feed. It always does. So I would suggest, um, you know, going to DLive, find me there on Tori Says, uh, Twitch on Tori Says, Facebook, as long as it is. And, you know, YouTube, I mean, they've... They've, they've committed theft. I know a lot of you have purchased stickers and chats and, um, but they demonetized me and they, and they kept all of that tip money too. Uh, so I'm, don't make any claims for it because I want to use the legal system to do that. Um, I guess because, you know, um, Shadowgate was hate speech. So they, um, disabled me to do a lot of things on YouTube. I'm just going to stay patient, document everything. Uh, cause this is the, the, what they did was theft and it's a crime. I mean, it's not a lot, right? It's not like you get crazy stickers, but it's still something. And the thing is I sent myself stickers to see what my, you know, I know it sounds super cheesy, but when I see that someone puts like a super chat or a sticker, I wanted to see what the process, the first time I ever did a super chat or sticker ever was on my channel. So I wanted to see how it was, like what stickers do they have or how do they do it? You know, because when other people do it, you just want to know what they do. Right. So I know for a fact that I um, paid for my own sticker in Super Chat just to see the process and, and they didn't refund it to me, but they've kept it. So, you know, I, I'm just letting you know, I'm I'm waiting to see how I'm going to proceed with that with YouTube. So, um, uh the, you know, this is slam dunk. That's complete theft. Um, cause I was hoping that at least the ad revenue that, um, Shadowgate did, I can, you know, hand over to Millie and Gavin, um, who need it. I mean, I do too, but they need it more. They have young babies, right? Very young babies. And, um, so yeah, that. So anyway, moving forward. So talking about (laughs) insurance fraud, uh, even though that's a really big deal and, you know, they're not going to get paid, um, the big one, the big one is um, the fact that they were laughing at the fact that Sessions wanted to go to South Africa. And South Africa, I've told you what role they play in the past with the UN and Interpol. And how Brennan is involved with that. I've also told you about the NGOs. I mean, we should be revisiting Covington and Burlington again because that's going to be fun. See, the thing is, Covington and Burlington didn't do all their dirty work while 
the clowns at the FBI were trying to entrap Flynn. They were colluding with the actual law firm that was representing Flynn. But they weren't colluding with the law firm that was representing Flynn in Washington, D.C. They were doing that in South Africa. Wait, Shadowgate 3 is all about that. So, and and the reason that we didn't put it in Shadowgate 2 is because General Flynn right now is going through court. The amount of stuff we got on Covington will rock America to its core. Uh, Not so much just because Eric Holder's firm is corrupt, not because they were probably allegedly listening into, uh, you know, conversations uh, that General Flynn was having with his counsel, not because, you know, um, they were uh, laughing at throwing him under the bus. Yeah, documented. Emails too. Not because of all this stuff, right? But because there are two towers in Washington, D.C. are very, very dirty and we can, we need to start talking about a Wan Brothers and Khashoggi on that one. So, um, that's um that's the big deal. So we're gonna we're gonna hold that so we could drop it like mid to end October just to blow stuff up, waiting patiently on whatever they think they're gonna get done with the Flint case. I mean, this should be done. This should have been done. And they're doing this on purpose. They're doing this on purpose. So, um, you know, should have been done. That way we can nominate Sidney Powell for SCOTUS. I mean, but she's busy now, so we can't do that, right? <laughs> but speaking of SCOTUS, so we've got first woman laying in the Capitol, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Funny how the same um, slide of her death is being used, the one that was from 2019 being used in 2020. You remember that? <laughs> same one, different dates, right? Um, but speaking of SCOTUS, the Democrats have introduced a bill limiting Supreme Court justices to about 18 years only. It's a very specific number, right? Considering that each presidential term is four years long, this would mean that it would either be midterm, that it would pop, right, with the extra two months or whatnot. The question is, um, why are they trying to change our actual foundations of our nations with that? Why aren't we looking at terms in regards to Senate and Congress? I mean, you know, um, Joe Biden's been in for like 40 years. Uh, That should be done and over with a long, long, long time ago. So it's um, it's pretty it's pretty interesting uh, how it goes (laughs) in that respect on how they decide to choose uh, where they want to apply, you know, limitations. Um, it's actually quite interesting. Um, now I'm going to share a clip from Tucker who shares the inner workings of the FBI probe on, um, uh, you know, General Flynn. There's more to this than what you see, but this one's, uh, this one's a pretty good, good job, Tucker. Love it. More text messages released tonight, more evidence that the Michael Flynn prosecution was politically motivated. In August of 2016, one of the FBI analysts working on the Flynn case texted this, quote, doing all the selection research, I think some of these guys want a Clinton presidency, mm-hmm. you think. Later, another FBI employee wrote this, quote, Trump was right. What is wrong with these people? The probe was so obviously corrupt that FBI officials discussed getting, quote, professional liability insurance to protect them from the consequences of the corruption. Separately, Fox News has learned today that the primary source of the anti-Trump steel dossier published by BuzzFeed was under 
FBI investigation as a possible national security threat for suspected contact with Russian intelligence officers. (laughs) The irony. It's it's just unbelievable. Sean Davis has been parsing these details for years now. He's co-founder of The Federalist, and he joins us tonight to sort them out. Sean, thanks for joining us. What have we learned today? Wow, we've learned a lot today. The first is that the corruption at the FBI and how they conducted their anti-Trump jihad was so bad that FBI agents were purchasing for themselves, using your money and my money, by the way, uh, as taxpayers, purchasing liability insurance uh, for when people finally found out how corrupt uh, their activities were. We also learned that the original case against Flynn, the investigation, was closed on Election Day. Uh, They were ordered to close it on Election Day 2016 and only opened it up afterwards, uh, which is just shocking. And in these texts, we also learned uh, from these agents who remain unnamed, unfortunately, that they found nothing on Flynn. They even used uh, national security letters to avoid subpoenas in order to get to his financial records. And they said there's nothing there. And in fact, the guy who was running the whole thing, who's also unnamed, Uh, was obsessed with rabbit holes and conspiracy theories, and his scope was absolutely beyond logic. So this kind of, I've been wondering for months now, the FBI is more powerful than, say, the Kenosha Police Department, but BLM never criticizes the FBI. Maybe this is why? (laughs) Maybe it is. It's shocking. Uh, You know, I'm a bit cynical, having looked at this this stuff for years. Um, But even being a cynic, this behavior shocked me. And, you know, we're told it was only the leadership who was doing kind of bad things. The rank and file are good. These are rank and file agents talking about this. And where were the whistleblowers? And why are we learning about this three years after Chris Ray took over the FBI? Why are we having to learn about this from a court case? Why was this not disclosed to Congress? And it- Huh. Thank you. Where are all the whistleblowers? Why aren't they coming out? Like I said, there's a lot of people like me that work in the shadows. Why haven't they come out? Hmm. If little old me, little old me can can deal with the heat, there's a lot of them that I know that can pack the heat real well. Obviously, the arrest of Agent Lee, uh, you know, didn't <laughs> didn't inspire many of these private contractors to come out. But look at this. We have FBI rank and file. You know how they say, oh, they're good. What have I said? No, they could have come out and said something like he said. Why are we waiting three years later? To hear about it in a court case rather than open your mouths yourself and request to see the president himself. You can do that when you can say, I need to speak to someone else. Yes, there's chain of command, but boy, can you skip it when you say, I need to see him because they're spying and they're going to know I'm coming to you. And even me being here is a problem. I need protection. There's always ways to get around it. For me, I found a way. I did. And when they started coming at me publicly, what did I do? I showed my face. I got naked a little bit, not totally. That's what they should have done. Good job, Federalist. Give it. Give it. It's a complete disgrace that it's taken this long to get any real information about it. Has there been meaningful reform within the FBI? You've got to hope there has been. Do you think there has been? Uh, If there has been, I haven't seen it. I actually think the best reform you can have is putting people in prison for their crimes on this. And to date, we've seen one person based on a case not brought by Durham, but brought by the OIG with facts that he found. One person has been indicted uh, and pleaded guilty to this one person in that entire building. So until we actually see people indicted and go to prison for what we know are crimes 
no, I don't think any reform they do matters whatsoever. You mentioned the word Durham. We're almost out of time, but I just got to ask, whatever happened to that? The Durham investigation. That's a great question. I'd like to know. He's been working on this for about two years. Uh, The attorney general, Bill Barr, assured us and the president that he was going to look at it and we were going to learn what happened before the election. I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen any indictments other than the one of the FBI lawyer. And and I hope Bill Barr understands that if nothing happens on this, it's not going to be Durham that people hold responsible. It's going to be Bill Barr because he's the one who picked him. He's the one who assured us and the president that he would take care of this and nothing's happened. I'm starting to feel a little fooled. Are you? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Don't be. Sean Davis, not an easy man to fool. I appreciate your coming on tonight. Thanks so much. Thank you. And people don't feel fooled. Don't feel fooled at all because there's me too. I could start pointing fingers. I, I can definitely start pointing fingers, pointing all the fingers. I have no problem. The minute they tell me, yes, please point the finger. I'm going to start pointing that finger because I've said this before. The rank and file are a big, big, big problem. And none of them are speaking up. Forget the shadow workers like me. Forget that. Why don't we talk about those people that saw this happening? Come on, you're not stupid. Yeah, it was Comey and the whole freaking VSES, SES division, right? All of them, all of them on top of this, all of them doing this, all of them did it, all of them. Not one of them said, you know what? This isn't right. We shouldn't be doing this. This is wrong. You know, all of them. None of them have cojones to say anything self-preservation thank you and you know a lot of people are like well you shouldn't judge people no i should dude this is about your nation you think covering your butt right now is going to save your kid tomorrow you are low on the totem pole they will not protect you they don't care about you that's the problem self-preservation it's either your nation or your butt for now Because you don't count diddly squat. I could tell you that for a fact. I was in rooms, rooms, right? Meetings. We're talking 2008 to 2014, right before they retired at General Flynn, where I was privy to conversations. You have no idea how they look at you. For those of you that are in the FBI and sat there on your hands, there's time to redeem yourself. Like I've told all those journalists that pretend to be conservatives, you have time to redeem yourself. The minute he swears in, my list is going down with text messages, DMs, audio. I got it all. Yeah, and I don't want to cause this. But people need to know who was really fighting for them and who was playing tableau. Who was playing? Well, I'm just going to sit in the middle and help both sides and whichever one wins, I'll align with them more. That's what's up. And this is not just your mainstream media assets, right? Not just your mainstream media assets. We're talking government workers, private Contractors, I get it. Private contractors don't get afforded whistleblower protections. I didn't. I'm, I was like, what, two times removed? Bricky was only one time removed. The, the DOD paid for all his travel. He was one and still he wasn't afforded whistleblower protections. Okay. Let's say, cause you're not afforded whistle protection, whistleblower protection, you're not coming out. And let me tell you something. There are people that have come out. There are people that tried to do the right thing. And some of those people are sitting in jail right now for 
random things, really random things that you're just like, yeah, so that's really messed up. One guy, I'm just going to tell you, one guy, private contractor who decided to take the official route like Bergie did. Bergie was a little bit more protected, I guess, than people like me. Right. So what he did was he went that route. And what they did was they audited his travel, like his travel statements that he had submitted. And he had thrown in, listen to this, a uh, 100 and was it 100? It was under 150 bucks. I don't remember the exact amount because this is like two years ago. But it was like under 150 bucks. And he had submitted for reimbursement from the contract a dinner. And because he had a friend of his at that dinner, they put him in jail for defrauding the government under $150. That's really fucked up. Excuse my French. It's like, seriously, because his friend was present, that's all you found. That's why when I tell you, when they come after you, they come after you with a fine tooth comb. This is why I said, you know, when people were starting to talk smack on me, I was like, dude, I had a whole state probe my tush and they didn't find diddly squat. So anything they say is BS. This guy Guys, could you imagine he was meeting with clients and his friend came along and his friend's dish was maybe like 20, 30 bucks in U.S. dollars. I'm talking, right, because this was overseas and they charged him with defrauding. Are you kidding? And they gave him maximum sentence. Like, how is he going to afford a lawyer when they frozen his assets because they were investigating him? This is no joke, you guys. This is how they work. This is how, yeah, they can also plant evidence and, and get you. They can. But, you know, even if they plant it, they'll get you for so long. The truth comes out anyway. The truth comes out anyway. So I get it. Private contractors like me. But come on, man. We're the smart people, right? We're the ones that did all the dirty work. You have so much on them. You could walk through there. You know, and they'll throw mud at you, but you know what? Mud slides off. It gets washed off with water, the water of truth. It doesn't matter because people can see right through it. This military industrial complex mm, with all their private, they know. They know how many soldiers they killed in Iraq and in Afghanistan to make sure the money was coming in. Hmm. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And that's what sucks. That is what sucks. The most. It totally sucks. It really sucks. And they sat there. And the FBI agents, rank and file, desk jockeys that order post-its notes, you think they didn't see anything? Of course they did. But they want their job. I need my, you know, I have a car payment and a mortgage. Dude, you will get five houses, 20 cars. If you do the right thing, you get remunerated with good things. That's how it works. You have to believe that because that's the way life works. There's so much abundance. You think that they're the ones that are providing you security. It's not true. It is not true. I may not be the richest person in the world. Obviously, I lost a lot. I lost, oh my God, so much. I it, There was one point where I had $2.40 in my pocket. And I was like, oh my gosh. Because I had given all my money to my ex. And so <laughs> it was like I had nothing. And you know what? If, if you're doing good, 
God comes back to you. It, it's so weird. I, I haven't been hungry, you know, and you won't either. I haven't, you know, I, I mean, people need to believe this, that, that good brings back so much good. And, 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 and I think because I understand how time works, time, time, the concept of time, how it works, maybe it's easier for me to see it because I understand, you know, in this third dimension, I am bound by constraints in the fourth dimension. It's completely different in the fifth. It's different. We'll get into that because time and the manipulation of time is very important into how you can see things from the perspective of the moon and you can see things that rise to the surface. It's very hard for someone within a three-dimensional space to understand four-dimensional level things. Uh, it's, it's very difficult because you only know the X, Y, and Z axis. What's the other one? One would say. So, um, that should be a conversation we have. You know, maybe I will explain to you how time is viewed in other ancient cultures because, uh, again, history isn't what they tell us. Um, history is always being skewed and um, changed. But ancient texts, if actually seen correctly, seen, not not looked at, understood, not just read, uh, people will understand more of how things have um, come about. Uh, the green tablets, without saying the keyword, and I know all of you know what I'm talking about, that was a project that I worked on um, for a very long time. Um, Vedic, we'll get into that because as I've said, all these scriptures that people see um, from a religious perspective, a mythological perspective, all of them overlap. So we'll get, we will do that. I, I think we should start with the whole time thing. So you understand it. Cause I know a lot of you have seen that time is um, of a perspective your perspective um, depicts how time flies with you. Um, I mean, this is just the, on a simple basis, but if you're bored, right, time's not going anywhere. You know, you'll be like, oh, I just did a bunch of work. What time is it? Oh, what? It's only been five minutes. Are you kidding? Or when you're sleeping and you're anxious about something, you'll sleep and then you'll wake up. It's like, damn, it's only 2 a.m. What the? And then other times when you're like having so much fun, like when I play my video games, like time escapes me like nobody's business. I'm like, what? Come on. I only had like one round, you know, and it's like they fly by. Uh, so um, the fourth level of understanding, and this is physics related, right? Physics related. Um, will explain a lot on how the expansion of time is and how uh, multiple timelines occur. Hence, from a fourth dimensional perspective, well, it's actually fifth dimensional. They say, I like to say it's kind of in the middle on a quantum level. Uh, when you can understand, when you can marry, uh, quantum physics, quantum physics. Well, you know what? That's a conversation for another time. I don't want to get into it because we have a lot to talk about. Um, I want to leave it there for now, but I, we will be visiting this. Uh, I, I think it's something very important that we, um, discuss in the meantime, I thought that maybe we can show a gentleman who, um, uh, 
I think President Trump retweeted one of his um, video clips. Uh, this is a gentleman who's kind of asking the questions that a lot of people should be asking themselves. Um, I'll post the link to the video in the chat. Um, this guy is asking himself, okay, um, why is it exactly that I should hate President Trump? Right? He's asking that question. Um, his choice of venue is kind of odd for me, but okay. Anyway, take a listen. Fall on a defendant. You see, I was always under the impression that it was the responsibility of the plaintiff to prove the defendant wrong, to prove that he's guilty. And yet when I have this Trump conversation with people, they're constantly demanding me to prove their point. Why don't you like Trump? I, I actually do like Trump. Yeah, but tell me why you don't like him. But I do. Yeah, but I want you to tell me why you don't like him. Well, can you tell me why you don't like him? Yeah, because he's racist. He's this, he's that. Oh, okay. So you must have proof to prove your point. Well, it's all in the media. It's all in the news. It's on his tweets. Just go read them. I did. Did you? Because what I saw wasn't hate. Well, I don't really have time to be going through all that. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wake up, back up. You literally just told me you don't like Trump. And you said there's a lot of information why you shouldn't like Trump, but you don't have time to go and get one piece of evidence that can help prove your point. This is the problem with the black community. We don't want responsibility for our goddamn vote. We want the right to vote, but we want to, we don't want to be responsible for it. We want somebody else to be bus responsible for it. How about you get off your fucking ass and do the fucking work? You tell me why I should hate Trump. That's what you want me to do, right? You tell me. Stop being a fucking pussy. Get out there and do the fucking research. You wonder why you don't do it? Because you're scared. You're afraid you might find out that I'm right. And all this time, you've been in a fucking fog. Because that's going to hurt, right? It's going to bring shame, right? And the last thing we want to do is be responsible for our own shame. But that's just it. That's where it starts. The shame. The pain to realize that you blinded yourself these years. That is a blessing. Because that pain that you feel when you realize you lie to yourself, you'll never go back to sleep again, ever. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I should hate, I should hate Trump. Maybe orange man bad. Maybe that is the case. But how about you prove it to me? Be a soldier. Be a warrior. Go out there. Find the information you need. Bring it back to me. I'll be sitting here waiting. Change my view on Trump. The burden of proof is on you. Right? Isn't it? Isn't the burden of proof? See, that's exactly what we've been talking about here for years. When you find out it's all your fault, when people are like, oh, you know, it's it's all the media's fault. No, man, the media wouldn't be around if it wasn't for you. If you weren't following them, all these clowns that are causing division within even the right movement, even the MAGA movement, the America First movement, you're following them. You're giving them that ability to do it again. It is all your fault. It's everybody's fault. The thing is, once you wake up, like he said, you can't go back to sleep because you see it then. That's the way people wake up. Burden of proof is on you. Where's your proof? Where is it? Hey, I've got some proof. How's, you know, remember when I did that report? Oh, I have to find the article. Oh, man, that was probably deleted. 
have to look. Oh, shoot. I'm thinking about it. You remember when I did that article about uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez having the Chinese work for her campaign? Do you remember that for the primary? Um, and I put screenshots of how the Chinese were uh, doing bot farms. And I think I did a show on it, too. Um months ago uh, for her um, primary. Well, you know, now they found that a New York police officer was charged as a spy for a Chinese Communist Party. Guess what? I got a picture of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez with that NYPD officer. So it was on my website, but my website was deleted. So I've been trying to recover that information. And I remember I wrote an article how, you know, Ocasio-Cortez is using the Chinese to run her campaign. And, you know, that was deleted. Um, yeah, it was on my Twitter, but, you know, that's banned too. <laughs> uh, so, um, gosh darn it. I'll find it though. Um, I'll look through archives and whatnot, but here's, here's, uh, the report on the NYPD officer charged as a spy for the Chinese communist party, which by the way, has pictures with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and communications. New York City. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo saying that the Chinese consulate uh, earlier this week after an NYPD officer was put in federal custody for allegedly acting as an agent for the Chinese Communist Party, that there is a major spy ring in New York at the Chinese consulate in New York City. 33-year-old officer Ang Wang was accused by prosecutors of providing intelligence on Tibetans living in New York City uh, in exchange for money for at least two years and proving consulate officials access to NYPD officials and events. Joining me right now is the commissioner of the New York City Police Department, Dermot Che. Commissioner, it's great to have you this morning. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks, Maria. Great to be here. Before we get to the violence in our cities and what you're seeing in New York uh, amidst retirements and resignations by many of your officers, I want to ask you about this spy ring. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is uh, is questioning and saying that this is a spy ring in the consulate, the Chinese consulate in New York City. Obviously, we had that arrest of one of your NYPD officers. What can you tell us? Well, Marie, obviously, it's a betrayal of trust at the highest level. It's against everything that, you know, the men and women of this police department in this great city stand for. I think it should be a wake up call, really, for, for people across the city and it, you know, that this could happen and to to be on the lookout for things like this. But I could tell you that the NYPD, our Internal Affairs Bureau, with our Intelligence Bureau, the FBI and the Eastern District, the good news is that, uh, you know, we were on this for some time working together collaboratively to make sure uh, he, he was uh, brought to justice before any more harm could be done. I mean, he was employed by the U.S. Army Reserve. He served as a civil affairs specialist out of Fort Dix. He holds a secret level security clearance. Uh, and of course, he lied to obtain that security clearance. Commissioner, this is just unbelievable. We know that the Chinese Communist Party has been able to infiltrate many of our institutions. We've seen a string of indictments this year, everybody from the head of the chemistry department at Harvard uh, to now we've got an NYPD officer do you worry that there are other officers embedded in the NYPD that are working for the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party? I think this is something that everyone should be aware of, not just in the NYPD, but really uh, any business should be aware of. This is a, a real threat. It's something, obviously, that, as I said, I can't get into the specifics of the case, but it's something that we take extremely uh, seriously. 
And, uh, you know, to, to not be worried about that, I wouldn't be doing my job, Maria. And of course, we know that uh, the the Chinese Communist Party is trying to, uh, you know, um, own uh, other countries and and go into other countries. They've 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 gone into India and taken territory, and they've they've killed twenty Indian soldiers. They have, uh, of course, uh, Tibet is a major issue, and they're trying to have uh, people on the ground in New York. Report back where the, Dep- the Dep- Tibetans live and what they're doing. It, it's just absolutely incredible. So this investigation is ongoing then, Commissioner? It is. It's, a, it's an ongoing investigation. Again, I can't th- uh, thank enough Bill Sweeney and the FBI, uh, members of the Eastern District, for their close collaboration with us. And, um, you know, uh, again, uh, we would certainly love that it had never happened. But the important thing here is, from my viewpoint, that it was identified. Uh, we work closely with our federal partners and, uh, you know, the investigation will go on from here. Uh, let me ask you about violence in our nation's cities. Commissioner, shootings and homicides are spiking in cities across the country. Uh, we talk about this every day. We want to look at New York City. Murders up nearly 39 percent year over year. Shooting incidents up better than 100 percent. Commissioner, to what do you uh, attribute this, this violent crime surge? Yeah, it would be a long interview, Maria. There's a lot of factors at play here uh, legislatively. Uh, some issues that took place. You know, COVID plays a role and the impact that that had on the court system, certainly. Um, You know, when you look at resources, uh, there's a lot of different factors. But the most important thing is, uh, you know, we have the greatest men and women in this police department. I believe it. And and both on the police officer side and the detective side, they are singularly focused on getting our arms around this. Uh, We are beginning to trend downward, but still way too high, Maria. So we are far from uh, by any stretch of the imagination saying that this is a success. We have a lot of work to do. We are working incredibly closely with our federal partners, as well as the five district attorneys in New York. And the bottom line is we want to send a clear message that, you know, gang members, drug dealers carrying illegal firearms in New York City, they need to be prosecuted. They need to face the harshest consequences. And that is exactly where all of our focus is. Well, I mean, part of the issue is the defund the police movement. What what was the uh, impact of that after the New York City Council cut one billion dollars in spending for the police department earlier this summer? Overtime pay, new academy classes were cut, causing higher attrition as more officers retired and no new officers enter the force. Give us the impact, Commissioner, from your standpoint uh, on on policing as a result of this defund the police movement. Yeah, it certainly had a significant impact, Maria. And and you think back, you know, crime crime follows certain patterns and trends. And certainly we see upticks in violence in the summer. I mean, this time last year and the last couple of years, we had accomplished in New York City the lowest incarceration of any major city and the lowest shooting and homicide numbers and major crime that we had ever seen in recent memory. That was last year. And we couldn't have been more proud of it. And then to have this You know, crazy time that happened this year, certainly, and leading to a defunding, um, it's really hurt. And it's hurt, unfortunately, the people uh, in high crime areas that, that unfortunately, uh, more often than not, tend to be people of color most. And this defunding movement at a time when we know that crime generally takes an upward trajectory in the summer has been a double whammy where you have now uh, increased uh, attrition. The, the attrition is, uh, you know, growing. We're down about 2,100 from our peak headcount of what it was just a short time ago. 
And on top of that, you have significant challenges on the overtime. So, you know, a 60 percent cut in overtime yeah. uh, is going to damage any industry. And it's certainly hitting us. But we 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 are focused. We'll get our arms around it, Maria. We're going to need some help, you know, whether it's resources and also legislative changes, because it, it's just we can't be arresting the same people, as you know, Maria, over and over. And, and it's just it's not a good way to run a business. Well, Commissioner, how important was cash bail being eliminated and closing down Rikers Island? I mean, three years ago, literally three years ago, I was on this program because my source told me that they were they want to close Rikers Island and make up all of these pop up prisons elsewhere that didn't have the same capacity of Rikers. I reported it on the air. And at that time, three years ago, said this is going to lead to increased crime. What has been the impact of cash bail? Uh, being removed, as well as the cl the, the uh, closing of Rikers Island. Yeah, Maria, uh, you hit it on the head, to be honest. I mean, when you look at step back from this and remove all the politics from it, I said this last year, uh, very similar. Uh, and I, I don't like to get into the bail issue because now you get into people dig into their sides. But ultimately, that these these laws were crafted with an agenda uh, many times. Uh, by advocates. And the ultimate agenda here is to decarcerate. And you could argue that that's a worthwhile agenda, but it's got to be done right. And it's got to be done responsibly. And it certainly has to be done with the people that know most about crime. And that's law enforcement. And, and when you take a, a plan. already low incarceration scenario in New York City, again, last year, the lowest incarcerated yeah. major city in the United States, and then cut the population in a year, yeah. 40 to 50 percent oh, wow. without a network to support. Wow. She was cutting them off with music. I was like, what the heck is going on? I was checking my browsers uh, for possible, um, you know, what? She was cutting them off. Listen, uh, it's not only New York, right? It's not only New York. We have people that are against our nation in almost every facet, not only of law enforcement, but we also have it within our own legislators, uh, not only on a federal level, but on a local level, right? Um, there's a video I want to show. Well, no, we'll get to that later when we talk a little bit about uh, Gestapo, um, North Dakota again. Uh, someone brought it to my attention. I will be doing a full-scale report on North Dakota next week uh, in regards to Governor Burgum. I am terrified for everyone there. I am terrified. Um, it is just horrific. I don't know why they're not reaching out to Senator Kramer. Uh, he'll listen uh, to, to, to fix this because this is unacceptable. Um, FEMA camps and whatnot. So um, speaking of New York PD uh, being a Chinese agent, we've seen it with, uh, you know, Diane Feinstein and so many times, uh, you know, and we've reported how AOC was working with China, how uh, the Sunrise Movement is working with Chinese money, how Momentum, how Black Lives Matter, how Soros, how Open Societies, how, 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 how. But how's this for a shocker? An unlawful assembly in Louisville overnight as protesters were seen smashing windows and damaging some buildings. 24 people were arrested, including a state lawmaker. Mark Meredith is live in Louisville. I told him last hour he lives there, but he doesn't. Uh, with the unrest uh, that took place last night and the fear about this weekend. 
Brian, it was another wild night. Yes, we saw demonstrations, but we also saw violence. Police saying they arrested 24 people. And at one point, someone even tried to set the city's library on fire with a flare. Police, when they were out here last night, said they spotted people spray painting all sorts of graffiti, um, whether they be on buses or on businesses that were downtown. Someone also was smashing some windows of some of the restaurants that were downtown, really causing mayhem throughout the city. Uh, there was a curfew in place. All of our cell phones in the area, we got an alert telling everybody to go home. But it really didn't appear that that impacted people from coming out or making much of a difference. At one point, even protesters started to gather in a church to basically avoid being arrested. Local media reports that church members provided protesters food and water. And eventually the police were able to convince everybody to go home from there. Now, among those who were arrested last night was Kentucky State Representative Attica Scott. She had introduced legislation to ban no-knock warrants in the wake of the Breonna Taylor shooting. And meanwhile, local leaders are all calling for calm. Public safety and the work for racial equity and justice can and must coexist. We encourage everyone to be lawful and peaceful as they go through their protest activities. Also today, the man accused of shooting two police officers on Wednesday, he will be arraigned. Police charging 26-year-old Lorenzo Johnson with assaulting police officers and 14 counts of wanton endangerment. The good news, the officers are okay. Officers even cheered as Major Aubrey Gregory, the city's special operations commander, who was in the hospital just hours earlier, showed up for a roll call as these officers were getting ready for their day ahead. We are expecting that curfew to remain in place here over the weekend. We had a chance to kind of walk around downtown this morning morning when we got up about 2 a.m. There were nobody there was nobody else on the streets, but there's certainly that indication that people are still worried about what this weekend will bring. Businesses are all boarded up. I talked to one business owner this morning who suspects somebody tried to set his building on fire. He was very upset. It says a lot of people don't realize what the city of Louisville is going through. Brian Ainsley and Steve, back no, to you guys. No kidding. Hey, uh, Mark, before you go, talking about uh, businesses that were damaged, I saw some local reporting in the Louisville Courier newspaper uh, this morning that apparently uh, yesterday a group of um, belonging to the Oath Keepers, which is a militia group, some identified themselves as being from North Carolina, said that they, they had been asked to, they were armed, they had been asked by uh, at least a gas station and a pawn shop owner to keep sh- to make sure that their businesses would not be destroyed. I- is that a group that's been there for a while? They have been here for a while. I've got friends on the ground here in Louisville who said that they've seen them out here. When I first got here Wednesday evening, I walked by that exact shell station you were talking about, and you've got maybe 20, 25 people that have their guns out kind of along the perimeter of that yep. shell station. It's about maybe a half mile from where I am. They're definitely out there. Uh, I didn't have a chance to speak to them. I was, I was just trying to get to the hotel as things were starting to get kind of crazy. Yep. Um, but I certainly have seen them out here. We'll be curious okay. if they'll stay out here this weekend because, again, the police are asking for everybody to calm down. All right, Mark Meredith live on the streets of Louisville. Okay, so showcasing the Oath Keepers or trying to throw them under the bus and uh, calling them instigators. Yes, because that's what you have to think of. These are the Oath Keepers. All of us should be protecting everyone, kind of like the lady with the mask. How everyone in those bleachers should have stood up. Like they should be shamed beyond belief. Those people that sat there in the bleachers and let the woman get tased and arrested for not wearing a mask. Hmm. But the Oath Keepers, great Americans protecting Americans. But, but the question is, the question is to all of us that should, should be asking, why did they mention it on air? Oh, to say that they have armed militias.
Um, so, so dumb. So dumb. So dumb. Mm. So someone asked, I just saw you retweet Chad Prather, who I love, by the way. I've I've had drinks with him. Um, well, actually, I was retweeting his retweet where he told John Legend said that we're going to have to move out of America if Trump gets reelected. And he told him, Godspeed. And I'm like, yep, don't let the door hit you on the ass when you're leaving. Um, so that is uh, pretty, pretty interesting how the right. Bye bye. <laughs> right? I love chad prather like if you guys aren't following him you should he's funny uh we had drinks together he's actually that funny he's super smart too he's a good guy he's a really really good guy um so um that was a uh, kind of interesting um you know that the that you know pedo like can group is uh upset but anyway threw me off track right there. So what this report and the previous report, shifting gears, going back to what we were talking about, because I got distracted. Um, we have police officers, legislators. We have a bunch of people that are working against our nation. And the question is, do we sit back and let it happen? And if we do stand up like the Oath Keepers, right? Are they going to start painting us as you know, vigilantes as dangerous militias like they're doing to the um, movement of Q? Is that what um, they're doing? Hmm? Is that it? Hmm. Quite interesting, isn't it? Quite interesting. So while we get some coffee, someone sent me a song that they had done. I'm going to send you guys the link. Um, it's a pretty nice one. Here's the link. And let's take our intermission uh, listening to this. Wait, let's do dance. I'm trying to get it on. I can see clearly now. can see clearly now the rain is gone I can see all obstacles in my way Gone are the dark clouds that had me blind It's gonna be a bright, 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 bright sunshiny day I think I can make it now, the pain is gone All of the bad feelings have disappeared Here is that rainbow I've been praying for It's gonna be a bright, 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 bright sunshiny day it's gonna be a bright, 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 bright sunshiny day. Look all around, there's nothing but blue skies. Look straight ahead, there's nothing but blue skies. Blue 
now the rain is gone I can see all obstacles in my way Gonna the dark clouds, they had me blind It's gonna be a bright, 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 sunshiny day It's gonna be a bright, 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 sunshiny day I totally loved it. I should play that more often. Uh, the rain is gone. <laughs> we have President Trump in the White House. So uh, I actually really liked it. So I love playing music and covers by other people. Uh, there's a lot of talent to go around for sure. And um, that keeps things sounding really, really good keeping us uplifted. Now, going back to New York's Chinese spy and legislators working against us and people working against our government and our sovereignty and our nation, here's Secretary Pompeo talking about how it's an actual spy hub in New York. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo revealing the Chinese consulate in New York is a major hub for spies in the U.S. The secretary telling the New York Post the Chinese Communist Party is, quote, engaged in activities where they're crossing the line from normal diplomacy to the kinds of things that would be more akin to what spies are doing. This comes just days after an NYPD cop was charged with serving as a secret agent of China. We've been watching this guy for a while. Here to react, Fox News senior strategic analyst, retired four-star General Jack Keane. General, do you think we just found out about this or we just bring this out now? Well, I, we've known this for some time. I, I, I think what's really happening here is that uh, Secretary Pompeo wants to alert, um, as the intelligence agencies have been doing, certainly, um, our local government, our local authorities, what's taking place. But because they're actually moving, not just with state officials, but into parent-teachers associations, uh, that's not something that would be uh, normal traffic that they would receive, certainly. So that's why the public pronouncements are here. And wh what this is, so uh, uh, our folks can understand this, you know, Russia tries to disrupt our elections, actually interfere with the process, create chaos, undermine democracy. What China is doing is, is more about a, a positive footnote for China itself, putting trying to put China in a good light. They're not in, involved in the election process and, and, and trying to disrupt it, but they are, they are involved 
in purporting what's good for China's national interest. And that's that's what this is about. It's so pervasive and they have a very a comprehensive plan to do everything. One, to steal our technology, to steal our secrets. And also, as we're seeing here, to have an influence campaign to affect American public opinion and create a favorable view of China. I mean, for a guy to be the NYPD with a Marine background to try to get inside the American Tibetan community while his whole family is involved with the Chinese Communist, uh, the Liberation Army, is just unbelievable that was happening in New York. And we're cracking down in Houston. Hope they're getting the message about the theft of intellectual property. At least we're pushing back now. Let's fast forward to Iran. We are, you were saying stuff about uh, when this the execution of this wrestler who is a national hero because he participated in protests against the government, along with thousands of others, was sent, meant to send a message. And we're coming back with sanctions on that country because of it. What message are we sending back? Yeah, well, this is this is very tragic. And not people don't recognize just how repressive this regime is internally and what goes on day in and day out in Iran. In the last year alone, this wrestler is one of 1,500 people that have been killed by the regime, murdered, sometimes put into prison, tortured like he was, and then killed in that prison. They have 12,000 people that they have put in in jail in the last year as a result of protest movements or opinions against the regime. They have killed, since they took over, in, in, in their own people who repress against them and right. who have the courage to, to protest against them, close to 120,000. That's what this is really about. And, you know, they, they have this in common with China and Russia. Any criticism whatsoever, they're su- super sensitive about it because they know it's so damaging right. to their moral authority in running the regime. So so uh, they're also got individuals, too, against the judge who did that. So what happened with you? You've been a critic of uh, Iran and the intelligence that you have and the stories you bring forward are making a difference. How do I know? What did the FBI inform you about what Iran's doing to you? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I've been involved with the FBI and, and Iranians for about eight years when I called for Qasem Soleimani's uh, to be targeted along with the Quds Force, similar to uh, Osama bin Laden and the Al-Qaeda back in 2011 in congressional testimony. They got in all of my emails, see if they could find something to discredit me, try to disrupt my international travel. And, and recently, along with other government officials and other people, U.S. government officials and others who speak out against the regime, uh, you know, they had you know, a, a trumped up trial and, and, and found us guilty of crimes against the Iranian regime. Th- this is another indication of how sensitive they are. Hey, look at me. I'm, I'm, I'm a retired guy uh, from the United States military uh, who has a voice in America dealing with foreign policy and national security on, a, on, on somewhat of a scale. And, and, and they're troubled by that. And that's how sensitive they are. Mm-hmm. And that, that is why speaking out against this regime really matters. Absolutely. And you struck a nerve because of the power you have and the respect you have in foreign policy circles and military circles. Uh, General, thanks so much for your time. Good talking to you, Brian. Interesting, right? Things are really changing, you guys. I'm seeing that. um, Yeah. So work the Soleimani targeting. That's right. See, um, China isn't I think China is more of an excuse than anything. Uh, That's how I see it. Uh, I see it more as an excuse because there are many more. Uh, the espionage being conducted by European and African nations and other Asian nations are 
way more uh, powerful and more um, within our ranks than anyone else. And they conduct a lot of illegal activities. Uh, so uh, it's not just China. I, I think China is just the target because they're not low-hanging fruit, but the easiest one to tackle. And if you tackle the giant and, you know, it's always about uniting under common enemy, then that, you know, that works. So I am going to now go back to something we talked about yesterday about the ballots in Pennsylvania. That story was removed by the DOJ. Then it was redone. Tucker actually did a really, really good um, short report here on that. Take a listen. This was, um, wait, was it that one? Give me a second. I will tell you in just a second. Um, it was it was so interesting to see how he worded it. I loved it, actually. Uh, it was uh, quite an attractive way of putting out information that caused them to be very butthurt um, in respects to this. So I found it quite interesting. Yeah, this is it. Okay, here we go, guys. Take a listen to this. You see today's White House press briefing? If you didn't, you missed Democratic operatives posing as reporters stunned by the idea that mail-in voting might not be totally 100% secure. It was amusing to watch. Of course, the risks of mail-in voting are obvious. The latest example of that came today. DOJ announced that the FBI and the Pennsylvania State Police are investigating fraud in mail-in ballots in Luzerne County. That's the place Donald Trump won by double digits four years ago. According to DOJ, several military ballots were, quote, discarded. Investigators have recovered a total of nine ballots so far. Not surprising the DOJ says an overwhelming majority of those ballots were cast for guess who? Donald Trump. Meanwhile, in Greenville, Wisconsin, authorities announced Tuesday that three trays of mail, including mail-in ballots, were discovered in a ditch, not counted in a ditch. We've seen other examples of this throughout the year, including deliberate mail-in ballot fraud in New Jersey and in West Virginia. Just hours ago in the state of Texas, the state attorney general announced that a county commissioner and several others have been arrested in an organized mail-in balloting scheme that took place during the 2018 Democratic primary. But to reporters in Washington, this is impossible to believe. For the people doing it, it is confirmation that actually it works pretty well. Last week, judges on Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruled that mail-in ballots need to be counted well after Election Day. You won't be shocked to know that five members of the body that made that decision, five out of seven people on the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania, are partisan Democrats. They're elected. They're politicians. Last week in the state of Michigan, a judge called Cynthia Diane Stevens issued a very similar ruling. In fact, she went farther. She mandated ballot harvesting. Ballot harvesting allows paid political operatives to collect ballots in bundles and bring them to polling places. What could go wrong? Well, fraud, for one thing. In fact, fraud, the whole point of it. You should know that Cynthia Diane Stevens is not much of a judge. She's a political activist. You often hear conservatives deride activist judges, but that's not an overstatement in this case. Cynthia Diane Stevens is proud to be an activist. Four years ago, she appeared at an event at the University of Michigan on equity and inclusion, and she literally gave the crowd advice on how to be an effective activist, not judge, activist. It's on video if you want to find it. There's nothing partisan judges would like to destroy more in the end than a quick, efficient, fraud-free election night. That's the goal here, make no mistake. If all the votes are counted in one night, no one will have time to issue rulings that throw out ballots they don't like. 
And that's why judges in Pennsylvania and Michigan want poll workers to count votes for weeks after Election Day. With their rulings last week, they made that essentially inevitable. It'll be a disaster. We know that for certain. We've seen it before. During the Iowa caucuses this past February, we still don't really know who won in Iowa today, seven months later. But to leaders of the Democratic Party, the caucuses weren't a debacle. They were a blueprint for the presidential election where Joe Biden takes Hillary Clinton's advice and does not concede no matter what happens. All he has to do is smile and wave from his hotel room on election night and the lawyers will take it from there. That's the plan. Voter fraud. So they came out saying that election machines were hacked. You know what I loved? Watching the responses to my tweet to my tweet on Twitter where they were like, yep, what did they remove? What did they replace? And you know what they did is the trapdoor codes. See, there's a key. You should watch uh, the video I did with Millie Weaver last year in 2019 in November um, because I had done the whole voter fraud thing even before that, too, in 2016, uh, warning about uh, the election machines and the key thing in Kentucky. And I think Millie Weaver went over it on her um, Periscope yesterday was the fact that um, the company that ran the software for the election um, for the voting machines was also the company running the software to fact check the election machines for the county. So they were pretty much fact checking themselves. And this is happening across the nation. Not only that, the trap door where these votes are deployed out of the United States, shuffled and then rebrought back to the United States is CIDL. So, uh, you know, that is an offshore company. It ties back into smart cities, the UN agenda, agenda 30, the whole nine yards. This is, uh, you know, on there. I think it's still on our YouTube. It's from November, 2019. Um, uh, you know, tag Romney, Mitt Romney's son, uh, has, um, his, uh, investment firm or capital firm, whatever you want to call it, uh, has a majority share in, um, interheart civic. Uh, I'm trying to do this off of memory, uh, machines down in Texas. So this is how they fiddle with elections too. It's, um, quite, quite interesting. Um, it's, um, it's really, really important uh, that we pay attention to that. Ron Paul just had a strike live on an interview. What? I have to see that. Now, um, I will see that and we'll revisit it next. Um, I just wanted to say, um, you know, with all this talk about the virus and deaths, you do know that on an average... Seven and a half thousand people, and that's on the low end. I think it's like seven thousand eight hundred fifty-seven. Last time I checked on the CDC website, or the uh, not the the CDC website, the um, registry, citizen registry website. Um, on average, we have seven thousand eight hundred something deaths. So let's say seven and a half thousand deaths a day um, happen, and these are from natural causes: car accidents. You're just old. Um, you're sick. Whatever. Um, and. So because I saw that someone um, who is in one of my chat groups lost their mother uh, today, I just wanted to say death is something that a lot of, uh, you know, I had this conversation a couple of days ago with someone. Death is not something anyone should fear. And yes, it, it makes us sad when someone is not around us. Uh, the only thing that we can hope for is that, um, you know, 
that there is forgiveness in, in their heart when they go and they are embraced um, and forgiven for any sins they had committed at any point in their life and um, that their memory lives on eternally. Um, an eternal memory is great. I, I think, you know, I, I, I say this a lot and I say, you know, I, I don't fear anything, but uh, that there's nothing that can scare me, but something that um, I would be very disappointed in is having walked this earth and not leaving a footprint. And that was something that I, that I had said when I was uh, young. And so um, uh, I guess our footprints are left with, um, you know, our children, uh, a book we write, um, souls that we touch. And some souls are so humble and so highly curated, let's say, uh, that they only touch a small circle. And it took me a while to understand that, that uh, maybe some souls aren't supposed to be shared globally or regionally, right? So I, I want us to, to not, to understand that I think death is more like a graduation. I know it sounds really bizarre, uh, but um, my heart goes out to many. I had, um, I had, I have lost my father and brother within the same year. There's not a day that goes by that I don't think of them and wish I was by them. And with my mother sick, obviously, um, you know, these thoughts come back. So for, uh, for your loss, I'm so sorry for your loss. Just, um, I pray that the memory is eternal. Um, so, uh, moving to that, speaking of death, um, Mark Meadows broke down President Trump's Supreme Court shortlist. I think it's important that we hear this and um, see what he had to say for us, because that's happening tomorrow. Right. Here we go. Is set to unveil his pick for the Supreme Court tomorrow at 5 p.m. To uphold the laws of our land and to uphold our Constitution as written on Saturday, I will be announcing my nominee to the United States Supreme Court. But the Democrats say you shouldn't do it. Let me ask you the one simple question. If it was them instead of us, do you think they'd do it? I think so. Here to discuss, we got uh, on the North Lawn of the White House, White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. Mark, good morning to you. Good morning, Steve. Great to be with you guys. So the president, good to have you. Uh, The president's going to make his announcement five o'clock tomorrow. I'm sure you have a pretty good idea who's who it's going to be. How many of the names we've seen has he actually interviewed? We've heard he's talked to Amy Coney Barrett, has not talked to Judge Lagoa. And just about how many has he talked to? You know, Steve, that's a great question that a good journalist should ask. And as a good chief of staff, I'm not going to answer that question. Uh, I can tell you that we've been fully vetting a number of candidates, uh, trying to make sure that we have the best pick going forward. Uh, the president tomorrow, as you had mentioned, will make the announcement at five o'clock. And then what happens on Capitol Hill is a partisan battle that uh, honestly will be uh, probably the most disgusting thing that we've seen since Judge Kavanaugh. They're already 
gearing up, no matter who the pick is, right. to say that this person, this female uh, judge, is not qualified. It's all about politics. It has nothing to do with a resume. Well, you know, Mark, the Democrats are really hacked off at you guys because they say, look, uh, Merrick Garland, uh, we put him up, the, the president did, uh, Barack Obama back in the day. But the truth of the matter is, and I've heard a number of Republicans say this, had they had the White House and the Senate, Merrick Garland currently would be sitting on the Supreme Court, but they didn't. And if they were in your shoes, they would have done exactly the same thing. Listen, you, you know that they would have done the, the exact same thing uh, because what this is all about, elections have consequences. And the fact is, is that we have a Republican president who's making a, a, a nomination. We have a Republican Senate that hopefully will confirm. Uh, but uh, we don't have to look any further than Chuck Schumer this morning. You know, he's all about election uh, security. But what did he do? He's done a procedural move to take down an election security hearing because he's protesting the fact that there's a nomination going on where the president is just doing his constitutional duty. Uh, listen, the American people are tired of it. Uh, and what we'll see on November 3rd is they will reelect President Donald J. Trump because he's the only one in uh, Washington, D.C., willing to be transparent and willing to move forward in the face of great uh, uh, adversaries and, and odds against him. The way you described the Senate confirmation hearing with whomever the person is, That's right. uh, essentially a spectacle, you're saying. It sounds like uh, the White House, uh, you and the president's team, are counting on the Democrats overplaying their hands, horrifying the American public. Well, we've already seen some uh, vicious attacks on a number of nominees that have been mentioned uh, as possible candidates. They're coming after their faith, their Catholic faith. And uh, if they're going to go after a judge based on what they believe, not on how they voted and not based on their record, shame on them. I thought we were better than that uh, as a nation. And when we look at the, uh, at our Constitution, it, it allows us to really uh, work Worship and and have a faith uh, as we dictate, and that shouldn't be a litmus test for the court. And yet they're trying to make it exactly mm -hmm. that. Um, Mark, going back to your days when you were in the U.S. Congress, I know you've been very curious about Hunter Biden's dealings uh, with various international entities. There's been some news about him over the last couple of days, and yet uh, it's hard to pick up a newspaper and find that news in any of the papers or when you're clicking around, you don't really see it on any of the channels. We've got it. We try to do all the news. Well, I'm glad that you're doing the news. It's hard to ignore a, a, an over $3 million payment from a, a mayor of a Russian city to Hunter Biden while uh, – uh, Hunter's dad was was actually in the administration. It's hard to ignore uh, over 80 pages of a report from Senator Ron Johnson and his team. Uh, and yet the mainstream media seems to do that. Here's what I, I wonder. Yesterday, Joe Biden said he wasn't going to talk to any reporters after 930 in the morning. Perhaps he doesn't want to answer the questions. Why don't we start asking the tough questions to Joe Biden instead of how he feels about his race? Maybe how he feels about the accusation that has been leveled about him and his son and the corruption that perhaps existed. We are 39 days away from the presidential election. Mr. Meadows, how is the Joe Biden campaign getting away with keeping him away from the press, uh, asking questions, 
you know, uh, Chris Wallace is obviously going to be asking 90 minutes worth on Tuesday night. But nonetheless, you know, there are reporters outside of Joe Biden's house every day waiting to ask him a question. And he never comes out. And the campaign, this is obviously part of their strategy. Well, it's part of their strategy. But the interesting thing is, is after 47 years, if you don't have much to say, you better stay in the basement. And, and so it's a good strategy from uh, Joe Biden's camp, because uh, if you look at the record, there's not much there. And uh, as we start to see exactly what Joe Biden is all about, uh, he's about hiding from the American people, not being transparent. You know, good or bad, this president has made himself available to more people, more reporters, more hostile reporters than any president in modern history. And, and guess what he gets for it? You know, he gets the adoration of a number of people. You saw that that crowd last night in Jacksonville. We've yep. been all over. Uh, Democrats, unaffiliated and Republican voters appreciate the fact that he's willing to tell it like it is. And, uh, and I guess it's time for Joe to yeah. tell it like it is. Well, I saw a review by The New York Post, I believe, that showed that uh, President Trump had taken five times more questions from reporters and as you said, many hostile reporters as well than Joe Biden has uh, for the last couple of months. Real quick, uh, the president yesterday was talking about uh, America first health care plan. It sounds like uh, if you're on Medicare, uh, you're going to wind up with a, a little card that's going to help you pay for stuff. Steve, this is a great news for seniors who, if they're tuned in right now, uh, in October and November, you will be getting a card for $200 to help with your copay. It's the first time that money went from big farmers' pocket into American seniors' pockets, and this president made sure that it happened. And so uh, a huge discount card, almost $7 billion going from uh, big pharma back to the American people. It's just delivering on his promise once again. The president is committed to do that for our seniors, but for all Americans as well. Well, I think America's seniors always would like a couple hundred bucks from the government, the money going to them rather than the other way around. But there are a number of the president's critics who are saying, oh, are you kidding me? He's just trying to buy the senior vote. Well, let me just tell you, it's all about seniors, but it's all about the American people. This president has actually lowered prescription drug prices when President Obama didn't do it, when George Bush didn't do it. Uh, he's all about delivering. He's going to work up to the very last day and making sure that uh, the American people get what they deserve. And it's a break from big pharma and all of those lobbyists that want to make sure that they take money from hardworking Americans. All right. Um, Mark Meadows, join us from the North Lawn of the White House. Mark, thank you very much and have a good weekend. Thank you. Excellent, excellent response, excellent information. And well, you knew it first because I told you it's starting 1121 for our what? older individuals. Uh, so I found a video that someone streamed of Rand Paul and what happened. And at the time it happened, I'm going to share this with you so you guys can see it. Um, here we go. Do this from free market economists is it has to be liquidated. We have to get rid of that. That's a burden. We can't buy it. Okay, so I can tell you, um, so that was a stroke. Hold on. So you see the eye? So that means the stroke happened here as he's looking this way because the eye rolled that way. Um, total textbook. Is Dr. Paul? Oh my gosh, I could just imagine how this guy feels. God. 
to this from free market economists is it has to be liquidated. We have to get rid of that. That's a burden. We we're just we can't buy Oh man, it's it's killing me just watching it. Um, let's just pray for him. Let's just um take two minutes. just to say a prayer for Ron Paul. That was um, pretty hard. I mean, he's been going all his life, um, fighting in the name of liberty. He's a great guy. Um, so let's just uh, prayers up. Um, and for those of you that don't know, I mean, a lot of people know what stroke symptoms are, but just so you understand where the damage comes from a stroke, I'll explain it to you. Um, so basically, Blood gets cut off from a portion of the brain. So I want you to think of a hose. And what happens is it, imagine a rock gets inside the hose and blocks. Uh, make it, uh, I don't know, like a solid, hardened piece of mud that looks like a rock. And it gets stuck there. So what happens is, is that all this, um, you know, water coming in is blocked and it's pushing on this rock. On the other end, though, 
there's no more water going through. It's already gone through. No more blood, in other words, right? And what happens is almost instantly cells begin to die and there's debris of the cells. So, uh, you know, when uh, the cells die, uh, then in comes your immune response to clean up the garbage, clean up on aisle three, right? Kind of thing. So they come in and they start cleaning. And then what happens is that barrier then breaks and all this water comes through blood. In other words, there's reperfusion injury. That's what happens. And suddenly as all these cells are dying and you have an immune response with lots of garbage, it just gets funneled through your brain, through, you know, your vessels. And so it's reperfusion in injury that actually happens because if blood flow gets cut off, right? It's no big deal. It picks up the garbage per se, but what happens is mitochondria, they create a scarring. Well, that, that, that scarring happens on, you know, your neuronal cells, right? So like in your spinal cord injury where they actually create a scar. This garbage though that is in there, the dead cells is what causes the injuries and damage to the brain. I want you to think like a dam breaking and there's people with trucks and, and stuff picking up garbage and then in houses or whatever. And all of that goes right through. So all of that debris causes more damage. I thought I would explain it. Um, for those that don't know the whole technical aspect of it, I, I think it's, um, uh, important knowledge is power. And then we understand why there are specific injuries. And like I said, because as I eyes rolled to one side, it meant that the injury, um, the, the reperfusion, reperfusion happened, um, on the other, it's usually the opposite side. So, um, that's basically what happens. Uh, the, uh, damage sustained is usually from reperfusion injury, injury that, you know, sometimes cannot be repaired. Uh, that's the problem. So, Godspeed. Um, hopefully the prayers uh, that we sent up and I'm sure the rest of the world is doing too. Um, garner some ground. Now, shifting a little bit gears and speaking of um, reperfusion in injuries, I guess, um, we've had a rock in the middle of our nation's flow of freedom and access and um, healthcare and so much more. And uh, Speaker Pelosi decided this morning to be on CBS this morning and talk about the SCOTUS pick and healthcare and what she doesn't like. Um, it's a quite interesting interview because in this interview is where she asked or she said that there's no point in having presidential debates, again, making the case that he should not um, have a presidential debate with the president. And we saw that the president said, oh, they'll just pump him up with drugs and he'll be fine for 15 minutes, um, which is probably true if they put the the version of Biden they have now. Um, but again, he may have the vid over the weekend and we see Kamala come forward. Don't know. Here's what Nancy had to say, though, on all of these things. Morning ceremony at the Capitol. She and Justice Ginsburg were friends. Madam Speaker Pelosi, thank you so much for joining us. Listen, we are all mourning the loss of your friend. So I can't imagine what it was like for those of you who actually knew her. 
So I want to take a second to just think about her and talk about her for just a second. What have you lost as a friend and what have we lost as a nation? Well, thank you for your attention uh, to the fact that she will be the first woman to lie in state in the Capitol. And when she does so today, she will be lying on the catafalque, the base that was built to hold Abraham Lincoln's body so appropriate for her and her fight mm -hmm. for equality in our country. I just want to tell this story because I think it's nobody in our country did more for the advancement of women in terms of women's equality than Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Madam Justice. She, uh, she, we honored her and the other women justices a few years ago in the Capitol and Women's History Month. She spoke for the justices and she just told the told story of a woman, uh, Belva Lockwood, a New Yorker, as leader Schumer keeps reminding me, a New Yorker. In 1876, she tried to argue cases before the Supreme Court. Uh, to qualify for that. The court turned her down six to three. There were nine justices then too, six to three. She didn't take no for an answer. She lobbied Congress and she, um, uh, until for three years. And then Congress passed a law that said, if you meet the qualifications, even if you're a woman, you must be accepted at the court. And I read you, uh, women who possess the necessary qualifications must be admitted to the bar of the Supreme Court. Mm. Then Ruth Bader Ginsburg said that day, it is my favorite example of how sometimes the Congress is more in tune with changing times and the expansion of the idea of equality than the court is. Over 125 years later, in the court, the court decided in the Lilly Ledbetter court, a case against women in the workplace. Against mm -hmm. women in the workplace. Over 125 years later, Ruth Bader Ginsburg wrote the dissent. Wrote the dissent. Her dissent became the Lilly Ledbetter Fair Pay Act that was signed into law, the first bill signed by President Barack Obama. Yeah. So, it, again, yeah. the Congress was ahead of the court in being attuned uh, to the expansion of equality for women in our country. That was so important. She, so she important was so ahead of her time in so many ways. There are very big shoes to fill. President Trump has narrowed it down, it seems, to two candidates, and he said he'll make the announcement tomorrow. We have judges Amy Coney Barrett and Barbara Lagoa. Uh, what are your thoughts on their on, on those two options? They're on his short list, it seems. Well, my thought is the following. It's very important to know that the reason they were perched for this within just a couple of hours after the announcement of her passing, the majority leader McConnell said, we're going to take this up and vote on it, which is so inappropriate. Let's, without going into that, mm -hmm. what is important for everyone to know in America is what it means to them. This rush to appoint someone to be there in time for the November 10th arguments against and before the court will make the, the case, the administration will make the case against the Affordable Care Act. So if anybody in your family has a pre-existing condition, that benefit will be gone. If any of your children are on your health care plan, that will be gone. Your adult children, that will be gone. If you're a woman, uh, the Affordable Care Act eliminated the idea that being a woman is a pre-existing medical condition. But if Madam Speaker, they always say he who has votes has the power. Wouldn't Don't you think the Democrats would do the same thing if the situation was reversed? No, you no, do not. that is not, absolutely not true. You don't. And this is totally, completely inappropriate and counter to what they said uh, when uh, uh, Justice Scalia passed. But it's no use getting into 
their hypocrisy. But we have to make sure people know they must vote and they must vote early so that the message, their voices, their vote, that that message comes clearly. The, all of the polling shows that people do not want the Affordable that is Care true. Act overturned. That is true. And the people Republicans don't want are misrepresenting that they support the pre-existing condition benefit, which they voted over 60 times. And the vote shows overturn. that 62% of Americans wish that, the, that the, there would be no decision made until after the election, but that does yeah. not appear to be the case. So as, as yeah, we, I just want people to know what the case is, because if the Republicans insist on going forward, uh, then then uh, there has to be a price to pay. President Lincoln, back to Lincoln, uh, President well, last Lincoln week said, you said public you, sentiment is everything. And I think the public sentiment must be heard. Well, you had said last week that you have arrows in your quiver. Do you still have arrows in your quiver at this point? The clock is really ticking here. Well, I want to tell you something. With, uh, Stephen Colbert said uh, that, <laughs> that I have to upgrade my munitions. Arrows are too ancient a, yes. a weapon. I heard him it's say a, that. It's a figure of speech. But uh, uh, the fact is, is that this is about protecting the American people, their health, at a time when they now have to choose, but the president wants them to choose between uh, their health and their vote. That's just so wrong, uh, which just is another area. But again, this the election is coming up 40 days from yesterday. Mm -hmm. For us, for in the Catholic faith and other faiths, 40 isn't fraught with meaning. 40 hours, 40 days, 40 years uh, in the desert. It is, uh, uh, that means you have to make use of every day. No under You have to make resources. use of every day. You're right. No Tuesday, wasted time. Tuesday is a big debate, the first debate between the two of them, between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. You had earlier suggested that you didn't think Biden should debate. Do you still feel that way? I, I do. Not that I don't think he'll be excellent. I just think that the president has no fidelity to fact or truth. And actually, in his comments the last few days, no fidelity to the Constitution of the United States. He and his henchmen are a danger with their comments, are a danger to our democracy. So I don't want to give him, you know, why bother? You know, he doesn't tell the truth. He isn't committed to our Constitution. But, but Speaker Joe Pelosi, Biden that's right. what people he say or is a problem. Your language is to some is just as egregious as what they're saying by calling the president's people henchmen. Some could say that's Listen. just as insulting as what, no, what I'm he's saying about you. No, well, I don't care what he says about me. Every knock from him is a boost for me. If he wants to help me raise money, he can keep knocking me. But I'm speaking truth. Our Constitution is at the mercy of people who have no allegiance to the Constitution of the United States. They have repeatedly demonstrated that. Now that the president has said what he has said. But even the Republicans the are coming out and saying there, there will be a, trans, tra a transition to power. Are you really worried about that? That there will be a peaceful transition to power? Well, I, let me say this. I'm hoping for the best. I'm prepared for the worst. And I'll also tell you this, the best antidote to their poison, the best antidote to their poison is to vote. To vote, to have your friends and neighbors vote, whatever, whoever you vote for, yeah. but have it be a big, clear vote. Yeah. And there is no equivalence, my dear friend Gail, between what I am saying, speaking truth about them, uh, than their mistaking cruelty uh, for humor and whatever it is that they have to say. But we're ready for the fight. And it, it is uh, uh, it's an important time in our country. And for the president to undermine the elections is something horrible. But I have some three words, three names I want to name right now. 
Breonna Taylor, Breonna yes. Taylor, Breonna Taylor. That's one name. Let us hope that yes. they will release the documents uh, yes. that uh, led to the uh, the announcement, the unfortunate announcement. Yes. Uh, let us hope that there will be support in the Senate to pass the George well, Floyd. Do you know why she said that? So George Floyd and to uh, rally up the base. Now, at the beginning of the show, I told you guys something really important. And the important thing is, is that many of these people that are within positions, right, rank and file, senior, Senate, on a state, House, on a state, state positions in general, like secretaries of states, attorney generals, sheriffs even, and other elected officials, councils, mayors, they have the ability to redeem themselves. I mean, Pelosi is beyond redeemable. Like she's all in chips are all in. She's, she's done. She's toast. Others will take a bow and go out in the shadows and be tried outside of the public eye. They have the opportunity step aside and let the Americans take back their nation. Right. I said that. There is no going back. The gloves have been taken off. I mean, this morning I retweeted a tweet um, that um, Cambry uh, tweeted out, which was great, which was that the president is designating now. Um, where's the tweet? I, I retweet so much stuff. Retweet it so it's at the top again. I'm trying to find it. There it is. Uh, I retweeted it, but it's gone, even though it's there. Um Breaking President Trump's plan for black American designates the KKK and Antifa as terrorist organization and calls for the making lynching a national hate crime while pledging to increase access to capital in black communities by nearly five hundred billion dollars. Well, speaking of that, I wanted to point you in the direction of someone really patriotic. Oh, please tell me that I have it. Oh my gosh, please tell me that I saved it because I saw it yesterday and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm sharing this with my listeners. Manana, please tell me it's there. Oh gosh, don't say it's not because then I have to look for it. And it's like, oh, no. I have to find it. It is an advertisement from, I'll find it. Um, give me a second. Okay, here it is. Um, campaign ad by Kimberly Clayson. Guys, you have to watch this. And I'll tell you why. She made it easy for those in, 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 in Maryland. Step aside and let this happen or you will have issues. I wanted to play this because when um, I, I, I ran across it last night again, reading some paperwork that I shouldn't have had my eyes on anyway, in respects to what Cambry actually tweeted out about the KKK and Antifa, I was actually quite salty because Antifa is just one of the many um, organized crime organizations, but whatever, and then ran into this and I was like, I have to show my and you know, obviously for my radio podcast listeners to hear this, um, it's pretty incredible. Take a listen. Do you care about black lives? The people that run Baltimore don't. I can prove it. Look with me. They don't want you to see this. 
I'm Kim Klasik. This is Baltimore, the real Baltimore. This is the reality for black people every single day. Crumbling infrastructure, abandoned homes, poverty, and crime. Baltimore has been run by the Democrat Party for 53 years. What is the result of their decades of leadership? Baltimore is one of the top five most dangerous cities in America. The murder rate in Baltimore is 10 times the U.S. average. The Baltimore poverty rate is over 20%. Homicide, drug, and alcohol deaths are skyrocketing in our city. Do you believe Black Lives Matter? I do. The vast majority of crime in Baltimore is perpetrated against Black people who make up 60% of the population. So why don't we care about our communities? The Democrat Party have betrayed the Black people of Baltimore. If the politicians walk the streets like I do, they would see exactly how their policies and corruption affects us. But they don't want to see it. They don't want you to see this. Go to any Baltimore neighborhood and ask this question. Do you want to defund the police? No. No. Absolutely not. I had three sons killed in Baltimore City. And I think if we defund the police, office, it's going to be worse than that. So, no, I'm opposed to that. What are you going to defund the police for? Why? How do you defend your city, your community? Families are losing people. It's not just Baltimore. The worst place for a black person to live in America is a Democrat-controlled city. It's 2020. Name a blue city where black people's lives have gotten better. Try. I'll wait. Look at this. How are children supposed to live here and play here? Democrats think black people are stupid. They think they can control us forever. That we won't demand better and that we'll keep voting for them forever. Despite what they've done to our families and our community. Are they right? I'm Kim Klasik and I'm running for Congress because I actually care about black lives. All black lives matter. Our communities matter. Baltimore matters. And black people don't have to vote Democrat. All right. There's another one that she did, too, that I want to share with you guys. I'm going to see if she's put it on her page. I'm pretty sure she has. It's the newest one. There we go. It's really good. This, oh, that's the behind the scenes. That's not the one we want. Um Okay, this is her talking about her plan. So that was her campaigning in August. Here's her advertisement from just a couple of days ago where she actually comes to the table with a plan. Okay, this is this is pretty, pretty incredible. Do you care about black lives? I do. And unlike the people that currently run Baltimore, I actually have a plan to make life better for black people here. Walk with me. I want you to see this. I'm Kim Klasik. This is Baltimore, the real Baltimore. This city was once among the most prosperous, populated, and powerful cities in America. So what happened? Our leaders abandoned us and Baltimore fell into ruin. But it doesn't have to be this way. None of this has to be this way. A broken Baltimore does not have to be our future. And that's why I'm running for Congress, because I see the city differently. I want the streets of Baltimore and see what could be. I want you to see what I see. I see Baltimore that picks up trash. There are piles of garbage all around Baltimore. It makes life unsafe for our families. 
I'll work with city leaders to get Baltimore's Solid Waste Bureau the resources it needs to take out the trash. Our streets should be a reflection of our leaders. Clean, not dirty. Much of our trash gathers in abandoned homes. There are over 17,000 abandoned buildings in Baltimore. They are a scar on the face of our city. I will support tax credits and incentive programs to give residents a chance to buy and rehabilitate these homes. Everyone deserves a safe community and a chance at home ownership. Let's put the charm back in Charm City. Who will live in these homes? The newly employed constituents of Baltimore City. This district needs more jobs. The best way to get them is by having businesses invest in our community. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act gives federal tax incentive to derive private investment into opportunity zones just like Baltimore. Who will work in all of these new jobs if we don't have an educated workforce? Nine out of 10 black boys in Baltimore are not reading at grade level. Over a dozen high schools in Baltimore have zero, yes, zero, students proficient in math. This is a tragedy. We can end the school to prison pipeline with school choice, providing parents with options to escape schools that do not serve our children. Let's leave Baltimore better for our kids. Isn't that the point? That's my vision for Baltimore. The corrupt leaders hate it. They attack me for taking a stand, for wanting better for our people, our children, our communities. But I'm not the only one who wants better. Tens of millions of you have shared the struggle of black people in Baltimore. You lifted our voices. You cared about our black lives more than our own Democrat leaders. They have done nothing for us. Now they can't hide. It's time for change. We are that change. I'm Kim Klasik and I'm running for Congress because I actually care about black lives. All black lives matter. Our communities matter. We matter. And Baltimore doesn't have to vote Democrat. So good, right? And so now I am going to play Dan's uh, advertisement. Now, I, one might say, and, and, and I want to, 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 to state this, I'm fine and I appreciate and I, and I find it, um, quite in, I, I, former military persons always, when the majority, when they join, it's because they want to serve the people. And so it would be normal for them to want to run for mayor, city council, Senate, and Congress, um, all, almost always, right? And, um, but those, but there are those that, you know, go into careers that are in public service that are also uh, in journalism as well. Um, and other areas that serve the public. So not, I'm not saying that they shouldn't, but for example, here's this. I'm, I'm pretty transparent of what kind of work I did and why I have another perspective. I'm a little bit different, I guess, but there are a lot of people right now that are donning, well, 99% of them are actually government assets that are your journalists, that are in Congress. I mean, Schiff is former CIA. Well, they're not, you're never former, okay? Once you're in, you're never out. There's a lot of people that are sitting right now, both under the red and the blue flag, that are actually assets. So um, having said that, that doesn't mean that everyone was an asset that was an asset, but is always an asset, I have to 
<laughs> say that again. Always an asset. Always an asset. Um, unless, like me, you get in a lot of trouble with them. Um, but it's difficult because that's where it gets shady, right? It gets hard. How do you discern between someone that served the country in any capacity that comes into public service and, you know, is not acting on behalf of, you know, the fourth unelected branch of government and for the people. Now, this ad is amazing. And, but I uh, saw how um, Dan Crenshaw voted once and I don't agree with it at all. That showed something. I, I don't trust him for that. And so maybe using his service for it was something, you know, I don't trust him. But there are other people that are running. And the only reason that I'm showing this ad is not because I myself would be like, yeah, I like Dan. I don't. I didn't like the way he spoke on certain matters and what he did. But the reason that I'm showing you this is because this is the first time there's a joint campaign ad. And this is something that I've promoted and, you know, a lot that even in journalism, grassroots journalism, people should be working together, not against each other. They should all be propping up each other, not, you know, trying to beat someone to the story or I broke it first or no, 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 no. Right. So, I just want to make it clear this is the only reason I'm showing this, not because I think that uh, he should be reelected. Okay, so I'm going to play the, the advertisement, which is a joint campaign ad, which is incredible. I like joint campaign ads. Um, this should have happened a long time ago, uh, especially when speaking about a state. Uh, so if all of them align, that's great. Um, if they don't, obviously, they're not going to do a joint one. But I'd like to see that more on a local level, too. When there's, a, you know, state-level Senate, state-level House, where they all agree and they're like, yeah, man, let's fix our cities. Let's fix this. Let's and they get together and campaign together. I, I think that's like the best thing ever. So this is the only reason I'm showing it, because I do not trust Dan. Okay? So here we go. <laughs> Your mission, should you choose to accept it, will be to save Texas. To do so, you must recruit an exceptional team of congressional candidates. They must be courageous, patriotic, and absolutely fearless. Time is of the essence. The nation's future is dependent upon your success. You still know how to fly one of these things? Dan Crenshaw. I'm putting a team together, Wesley. You in? You know I wouldn't miss this for the world, right? Wait, wait. I think August is going to want to come, too. You guys looking for a real pilot? Let me get cleaned up. You're an F-22 pilot. What were you doing working under a helicopter? I have no idea what I was doing, but typical Air Force fixing the Army's problems. This guy, this guy, damn, bro, you could have just texted me, man. Why you got to jump out of an airplane? Instead of the because it's cooler to jump. Never mind. Oh, come here. And I want to thank these officers for a job well done. Hey, Beth. 
When you're finished over there, Texas could use your help. All right. So that was not a bad ad, right? I totally liked it. Uh, Cheese Fest, I liked it. Um, It was something that, you know, uh, was, you know, getting patriots together, I guess. And they weren't all military. I don't know about the Master Chief Cyber Warfare. I don't know how I feel about that one. But, um, you know, it was it was all right. I, I enjoyed it. It was entertaining. But again, um, I think, you know, because of the people that propped it up and the people that um, pushed it out uh, made me even more wary. Uh, but again, meme warfare, video warfare is the new way to go. And hence why we're more attracted to watch videos and listen more um, when they're short clips. So um, uh, in regards to the previous advertisement um, for the run for Congress in Maryland, I just wanted to say, you know, Millie Weaver's husband is one of the most amazing producers ever. I hope they didn't rip her off for that um, video. He would have done it way better. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying. But um, this advertisement uh, for Texas, it was it was it was great on the fact that it was you know, a joint effort, you know, it would have been great if people were more united. And I think that's the only reason that I'm showing it because Dan is more Democrat than he is Republican. Um, and I know that his opponent is worse, et cetera. But again, um, the concern, as I said, is, uh, you know, why, you know, it could, take the others down with that notion too. I know a lot of people are just letting Crenshaw take the seat. So we have one for Republican. Um, and then, you know, after the reelection of the president and after he swears in, that's where the work happens. And people are like, yep, don't like what you voted. So now you're out. Remember the work is going to happen afterwards. It's all about getting the president elected right now. And um, that's what matters right now. So I thought it was a clever ad, like others said. Uh, it was nice uh, for uh, us to see that, um, you know, a lot of people came together, unified. That's great. I would love to see more unification uh, within our states, our local states, um, like all states. If there was more unification, it would have been great. We don't see that, though. So uh, that's why I said it was it was all right. Now, it's Friday. I'm going to be back live on all my channels. Oh, gosh. Let me check the calendar again. I think I... I already mentioned it, but we're going to, I'm going to live stream, uh, what, um, I have to go to my calendar so that I could see, let me see. I think it's 8 PM or is it 9 PM? Let's see. It's a zoom fundraiser. Uh, it says eight 30 to 10 PM where Rick Grinnell is going to be on. So it's a fundraiser for Nevada. So those of you that are in Nevada, I will be uh, live streaming the Zoom. Um, and it'll be um, pretty incredible, I think. I just want to see what Rick Grinnell has to say. You know, he's he's never short on things to say. So I will see you guys tonight with that. A um, little bit of housekeeping. Yesterday was a lot of fun uh, watching the show with you guys on Amazon. Um, and I think... Uh, 
you know, that was um, quite interesting for all of us to kind of just hang out and watch it because it's very applicable for what is to come. And since it's in 10 weeks that what's coming is in 10 weeks, this is perfect. Uh, so if you're not, if you're an Amazon prime member, you can find it live on uh, Twitch every Thursday, 9 PM. We'll be watching another episode. So I will see you guys at 5 PM. Wait, what did I just say? 8.30 PM. Why did I say 5 PM? 8.30 PM <laughs> live. Uh, so we can uh, stream and watch uh, Rick Grinnell stump for his guy in Nevada and see if he drops any gems. On that note, I want to wish you guys a fabulous evening. I will see you later and I will possibly see you on Saturday too. On that note, everyone, God bless. <laughs>